And that was kind of the light bulb moment for me. That was the one I was like, well, if we could do that, I really think that there's a big need in the marketplace for a technology that is that flexible and that dynamic, yet that easy to use from a end business user perspective and, a, and an administrator of a platform like that. I'm Kelly Spikowski, and this is GRC and Me, a podcast where I interview industry thought leaders in governance, risk, and compliance on hot topics, industry-specific challenges, trends, and more to learn about their methods, solutions, and outlook in the space. This is the Logic 8 story, which, as it turns out, starts with conquering risk and then taking on a personal risk, right? It does. (laughs) And I've got Matt Kunkel with me here. He's our CEO of Logic 8. Thanks for having me, Kelly. Thank you for joining. I'm really excited to capture this story about how the company got started, but I want to take a back step and understand your background and what led you to getting the company started. And funnily enough, we actually attended an event together, the Secure Risk Management Forum in Georgia a couple weeks ago. And you even mentioned a little bit more of your background that I hadn't heard before, which was you actually had your hands in a couple projects related to the Lehman Brothers fallout, mm-hmm. as well as the Madoff scandal yep. as well. Yep. So I want to hear about that, too, because that's kind of incredible. You were born in 82, right? I was. <laughs> dating me here. <laughs> well, I was, too. But I think that's really incredible considering, um, you know, your background and how young you are and, and where you're at. So tell me more about your involvement in those projects and then take me to the J.P. Morgan Chase project. Sure. I was a Midwest guy. I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, but I ended up getting out and went to school at Indiana and was a finance economics major there. And through school, found my way to Chicago working for a management consulting firm called FTI. And this is in the early to mid 2000s. And back in those days, you needed to know how to code a little bit to um, really get on the big fun investigations. And one of the partners at FDI landed a job with the Bernie Madoff investigation. And really, we needed part of FDI's responsibility was coming in and doing all the fictitious profit analysis around that. So to say, hey, we need to sue Katz Wilpon for a couple billion and give it back to these mom and pops. And really helped code it out the solution that did a lot of that fictitious profit analysis. And then Very soon after that, Lehman Brothers went bankrupt, and we, myself and my team, coded a big part of the solution that unwound a vast majority of the Lehman transactions on the debtor side. And that's really where I cut my teeth in application development and using technology to solve problems. And then from there, moved over to another consulting firm called Navigant Consulting. And at Navigant, started up their custom app dev group. And really what we did is we built very large-scale you know, Fortune 100 companies, uh, GRC programs, governance, risk and compliance programs, partnering in conjunction with, you know, the folks in our financial services practice, in our energy practice and in our healthcare practice. And one of the the bigger jobs that we did was to help J.P. Morgan Chase, specifically their mortgage bank, get out of a consent order with the OCC, which is the Office of Currency Controller. They had a big consent order against them. And basically what was happening is within mortgage, there is thousands, 
tens of thousands of regulations that they have to follow from a you know, the federal level, but also the state and local jurisdictions that they're doing business in. And this was a result of um, that new, the Dodd-Frank ruling? Correct. This was part of what came out of Dodd-Frank in there. And it was just really more transparency and more, hey, here, here are rules and regulations that specifically mortgage companies, banks in general, specifically mortgage banks need to follow to make sure that we don't get ourselves into... Uh, situations like the financial crisis again. And it it was just a laundry list of these regulations. And the government comes in and says, okay, Chase, tell me how you're compliant with line 12,852 of this huge code of conduct and what policies do you have in place, what procedures do you have in place, what system controls do you have in place to get compliance with this? And frankly, there's just so many and there's just such a big spider web, right? Because one regulation could relate to many different business units that Chase has in there. And those business units could be using different policies, procedures, system controls to follow that. So there's this huge spider web effect that happened. And really just ultimately, Chase couldn't provide the visibility and transparency, let alone to their executive board, but more importantly, to the regulators that they were doing this. And that web that you mentioned, what was that constructed of at J.P. Morgan at the time? Uh, Affectionately, what we call duct tape and bubblegum, which is spreadsheets, emails, file shares, um, you know, a a hodgepodge of really kind of Microsoft Office products that they were trying to cobble this web together with. And they had failed their consent order twice previously. And then we came in. And really partnered with our folks in our financial services group that gave kind of the subject matter expertise um, around kind of the specific policies and and controls that needed to be put in place. And my team, we built the technology to really take all of those regulations, break them out into subcomponents, have a mechanism to assign those subcomponents out to specific business units that they applied to, then had a mechanism to do what we call an assessment to say, what policy, procedure, system control do we have in place? There wasn't anything in place. We added a gap. You know, maybe if there was something in place, but it wasn't up to date, we have a partial gap. And then how do we, what is the process by which we get compliant, right? And those were called kind of findings. We had findings off of that. And then we created action plans and action items to get those gaps remediated. And most of the time that was, you know, getting policies and procedures up to date, sometimes implementing system controls in place, or sometimes just saying, hey, we know that we have a potential gap here and we're okay with that from Chase's perspective because of XYZ. And that typically was executive sign-off that they needed Mm -hmm. for that. Tell me about the executives you worked with at J.P. Morgan. Who led this project? And just give me a little bit of background on... Yeah, it was kind of... It's from the top. I mean, Jamie Dimon was signing off on our... on the ultimate... uh, invoices that we were sending Chase. Um, the guy, there's a guy by the name of Kevin Waters, who was the head, who's the CEO of Chase's Mortgage Bank at the time. And then there was another fellow by the name of Rohan Tagra that ultimately, he was head of special projects for Chase. And he ultimately headed up this project and we worked very closely with them. Chase. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. And how long was this project? Frankly, I think it's still probably going on. Um, <laughs> you know, we started it maybe in... 2014, 15 timeframe, somewhere in there. And, you know, it 
part of the reason I think Chase ultimately went with Navigant is we said, hey, we can get you a technology stood up and running in a, in a very short time period. And they, I think, had realized after failing two consent orders that they needed some technology to actually operationalize the program and, and keep the program of regulatory compliance evergreen. Mm-hmm. And they put some resources and stock behind, okay, Navigant can actually give us a subject matter expertise, but they have this technology group that can actually execute and build us out uh, what we need from a technology perspective in a very short order. Got it. And that was you and how many other people? A small army of people involved in that. Several, Many, many, many developers, many business analysts from a requirements gathering perspective, and many subject matter experts as it relates to kind of financial regulatory compliance. Okay. And you guys were holed up in... um... We were in lovely Jacksonville, Florida for the most of the time. It's great. Great weather. Great to get out of Chicago during... cold winter months and and hang out there but definitely spent some time in new york at their corporate headquarters and then in um columbus ohio which is where a lot of their writing team is their their policy writing team uh so we spent some time there as we were building out kind of the next evolution and phase of their platform which was the old policy and procedure management module application that bolted on to the upfront assessments awesome So when was the aha, like light bulb moment for you during this process? Yeah, I was just sitting down and talking to kind of the Chase executives and they were saying, you know, love the platform that you've created. Got it. Helped get us out of this consent order. You know, we feel really good about that. But there's just these constant change orders coming in for the platform. And and frankly, it's always going to happen. And the business is moving so fast. The regulatory landscape is moving so fast that we're always reliant on you at Navigant. And frankly, it's costing us a lot of money. We would like the platform that our Chase employees in the regulatory and compliance group to be able to make the updates ourselves and make our business analysts make the same updates your dev team is making. And that was kind of the light bulb moment for me. That was the one I was like, well, if we could do that, I really think that there's a big need in the marketplace for a technology that is that flexible and that dynamic, yet that easy to use from a end business user perspective and and an administrator of a platform like that, that they have no technical acumen whatsoever, right? Excel is kind of where they live their lives. But if they can make enterprise-grade technology I think we have something in the marketplace. So spent some time talking with my two co-founders, John and Dan. Dan was on the technical team at Navigant. John was on kind of the, the customer success implementation team and really looked at many different solutions that we had created over this time period and just came up with a thesis that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're doing a, a third-party risk assessment or controls assessment or policy management or enterprise risk management or incident tracking, or you need to be NIST compliant, SOC compliant, ISO compliant, HIPAA compliant. Ultimately, at the end of the day, really what the technology is doing is is just a process. We're just logically moving work inside and outside an organization. We're routing that work on a sophisticated rules engine, depending on how the business users are answering and providing data to us. We're automating things that happen on recurring time frequencies in there. And then we're providing some really nice visual appealing analytics and reporting to get the insights out of that. And that's what we ultimately came up with, LogicGate, and and being able to use the consulting experience to 
create and pre-populate the templates so folks have a starting spot, uh, but then uh, empower them, really. And that's kind of our why, is, is, is really digital empowerment and being able to empower business users in the organization to use very easy enterprise-grade technology to transform their organization and transform their lives, too. You know, we really thought that we had something there. That's incredible. So where were you at personally when this light bulb moment happened? And how did you pull the trigger and decide to leave your comfortable position and take the huge risk of starting a technology firm? Yep. So we were, I mean, practically speaking, I was in Jacksonville, Florida, in a car with one of my co-founders, John, thinking about this and kind of bouncing these ideas off of each other. And then we looped in Dan to the conversation. But non-practically, I was in a great spot. You know, I was very quickly ascending at Navigant and running a very large P&L and had built out a practice and had spent a lot of time doing that and a lot of energy doing that. And had gotten myself into a pretty cushy spot, but really just saw that there was a huge, huge need in the marketplace for this and frankly took a bet, a very educated bet that the market was very big. The market was ripe for a disruption perspective because most of the technology is quite outdated and quite antiquated that, you know, a very new modern built on new and modern technology and and something called a graph database uh, would, would really take off. And I think we've in a very short period of time, have kind of validated that thesis and now are just, you know, working on building out and scaling the team and getting more brand awareness around what we're doing and a lot of training and education to customers that their GRC can be fairly easy to implement in in organizations. Obviously, change is always hard, but if you make the technology very easy to understand for the business user and the first line of defense, that's that's a big part of it, Right. And, you know, I think we've gotten a lot of solid adoption from very large brand names down to very kind of 50-person mom and pops that need to be PCI compliant or NIST compliant or, or uh, HIPAA compliant in there. And we're kind of off to the races. Absolutely. Well, obviously I'm on board. So I'm really glad that you decided to take the leap and take the personal risk and start the company. I think one of the things that is most interesting to me is the fact that this solution, this platform that you've built is so applicable, no matter the size of the organization. It's a it's an issue that is relevant to really small startup companies and really big companies just like, you know, J.P. Morgan Chase. Yeah, totally. I mean, our, our CRO has a saying that everyone is somewhere between ought to buy and needs to buy a GRC platform in there. Uh, and obviously, LogicGate is the one um, that, that he thinks is most applicable to that. But it is really, you know, if you're, I think, ultimately more and more risk and compliance issues are being brought to light. And there's just obviously with data issues like GDPR and uh, the California Consumer Privacy Act and, and all the things that are happening with Facebook, uh, and, and frankly, I just think that there's more transparency that the board and executives want. And the people that provide that transparency in organizations are the risk and compliance groups in there. So there's a lot of tailwinds that we have at our back. And, you know, more and more cloud SaaS providers need to be SOC compliant. And so how do they do that in a very easy, effective, efficient manner, right? And, and technology is really an enabler to help them do that. And that's really what we are, right? Ultimately, at the end of the day, 
we are subject matter experts on risk and compliance, and we hire all of our customer success folks come from big consulting firms where they have already done many, many, many GRC implementations and are subject matter experts on SOC requirements and NIST compliance and PCI compliance and how to put together an enterprise risk management program. We're just using Logicate as the vehicle from a technology perspective to make that much more effective, efficient, easier. But ultimately, you know, I look at the company as risk and compliance subject matter experts with a technology wrapper around it. Absolutely. So we have a mascot at this company. It's the GOAT. Some people uh, think that stands for um, greatest of all time. But that's not actually how the goat came to be. Can you give me some insight into how the goat came to be? It's true. Although I would like to say that we hopefully empower our customers to be the greatest of all time yes. with Logicate. And that is what the goat is now stands for. The origin, origin, though, of the GOAT was Dan, our CTO, he actually coded out the entire MVP of the platform by himself. Extremely, extremely bright person. I mean, honestly, I've never worked with a dev that's so intelligent. And for whatever reason, with what came into his mind, every time the application boots up, he he did some ASCII art, which is basically just art in ones and zeros. And it is a giant picture of a GOAT in there. And we were going through a program and one of the teams next to us saw the boot up script and they're like, oh my God, what is that? And he was like, oh, it's a goat. And he was like, oh, you guys are the goats. So we uh, we aptly took that name on and and it's kind of just evolved as the company mascot now. And But I have now evolved that into we empower our clients to be the greatest of all time. Love it. I, I love the goat and we really do take the goat to heart on the team. And we, I think we passed out goats at um, the RSA conference. We did. They were a huge hit. We passed out about 500 little stuffed goats that everyone very much enjoyed. It's great. So we're, we're building a goat community and hoping that you join us. So just to round things out here. What's next? What do you envision for uh, our our user community, for the platform, and for the company? Yeah, you know, I, I think the ultimate vision is we want to be the number one player in the GRC market. And the way to do that is to make our customers and clients hyper successful by using our platform, right? Is how do we honestly advance our customers' career and the champions in those organizations that are using our platform. And if they, if by using our platform that evolves their career and that gets them to higher points that they want to, ultimately, I think we're going to win, right? And it's, it's always just a customer-centric view and focus that we have at the organization. And then everything else of where the company wants to get to and the heights that we can get to, you know, I, I think that that is 100% achievable with the size of the market and, you know, the the fact that there's no real clear-cut player in the GRC space or IRM space right now. So everything is focused on the customer. We take care of the customer. Ultimately, they're going to take care of us. And ultimately, Logicate's going to be a huge success. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. On my next podcast episode, I'm actually talking with Terry Sands from Secure Risk Management. We're going to be focusing in on trends in small banking and what they're experiencing in risk and compliance. So this was great, great story and background in our experience in that space specifically. Awesome. Can't wait to tune in and listen to that. Great. Thank you. Thank you.